Welcome to Talking Events, the event industry podcast brought to you by Event Industry News, being recorded today from the Ticket Script offices um, in the heart of London's um, Silicon Roundabout district, I think they call it. Um, thanks very much to the team at Ticket Script for hosting the podcast. Um, today's topic, looking at merging the, the physical and digital um, worlds when we're talking about brand engagement brand activation um, and events. Um, delighted that we're, we're joined for a one-on-one -on -one podcast um, with Tim Manning from Swarm. Tim, thanks for joining us. Thank you very much for inviting me. Um, always an awkward one to throw at somebody, but let's begin by looking at a little bit what it is that Swarm does so that we can perhaps put into context then what we're going to talk about with uh, the rest of today's episode. Okay, thank, thank you, <coughs> James. Um, Swarm are a, a broad disciplined agency. Uh, we work with uh, partner agencies uh, and we work with AIM clients, generally uh, in, the, in the event space, either owning events or delivering certain parts of those events. And those parts tend to be technical parts of the event, and that's, that's where we've always started. That was our bread and butter. Um, many years in motor shows, in visitor attractions and museums. Um, we grew out of that to then start to realise the, the potential of working with brands and um, I think the, uh, the first project I launched uh, was a, a, an Adidas event for Adidas in the World Cup in 2006 where I had to make a replica football, in fact two replica footballs, no big challenge on its own, but each football was eight metres in diameter, it was the first text to screen that was ever done, and we worked with partners like Cara and Rivers and Red I think at the time for content, um, and that had to tour around 24 different locations before the World, kick, kick, World Cup kicked off. Again. The challenge was we only had 41 calendar days to deliver the whole thing. So we tend to build the interactive components that sat in events and then out of that grew an ownership for the whole event because um, we've got our, uh, in our broad disciplines, we've got normal 2D design, 3D design, technical engineering and all those components. We've got electronics guys who are um, you know, soldering up PCBs and mm. guys are writing code who are from a gaming background. Um, and then we've very much got the, the psychological part, which is when the content really gets sweet. So we want to nudge people in the right direction. We want people to come into a transaction, into an event, into a moment, and we want them to come out of it, getting exactly what they want, and the brand gets exactly what they want at the same time. So left and right brain work so, at the same time. So when we use a, a phrase like merging the physical and digital brands and connecting brands together, was there a differentiation in the past between the physical side and the digital side and how, how have they merged or has the digital side as that has evolved crept into the physical side how, what do you mean when we use those sort of phrases okay well first of all james thank you for not using fidgetal <laughs> fidgetal a Fidget. buzzword <coughs> it, it's just a word don't we don't let's not glamorize it and say it's a buzzword um so let's let's look historically at where it came from and try and define those two elements digital came very much from the web-based background so that was where it always was. It then grew into mobile as well. But again, the disciplines were siloed. Um, and what happened is they started to merge together. You could then get the internet on your mobile phone. So that's the first digital sort of merging that's come together. And now as consumers or people at events or, or, or human beings, we are walking around with mobile phones now where we're engaged constantly in the mm -hmm. physical world, but we've also got that digital thing in our pocket. So the two are starting to come together. So you've got a consumer, let's take retailers who we work with quite extensively, you've got a consumer who can purchase on at any time from any store using their device anywhere they want. And, and so it's been a historical growth, I think, out of that web and mobile silos where it's all started to merge together. 
the physical side um, uh, have, have always been slightly challenged by this, I think, and they've now realised that actually um, this shopper is woven into their physical store or their physical event, and they can't separate the two out. Mm -hmm. um, I think it's a challenge for clients. I sat with just clients. I've sat twice this week where I've had clients who are very, very senior say, "Well, actually, we, we'll sort our web stuff out, and then we'll sort our physical component out." And I just have to say, you're ready for a full start there. You're setting yourself up for a failure. The two have to be considered and thought about in exactly the same mindset. Because from a consumer's point of view, they are exactly in that same mindset. Mm. There's no differentiation. I might be in Gap in Oxford Street, but it doesn't mean that I'm not going to go on the Gap store. It's, it's all Well, possibly. exactly. It's, it's taken themselves away from this notion that when the internet began and was first made accessible to consumers, that yeah. they would sit on their computer at home do all their research, look at the websites, and then go out and do the physical side of things. Yeah. That doesn't happen anymore. And like you said, you'll be looking at uh, mobile sites whilst you're actually in a, a, a physical zone. And I guess that plays a huge part in how you develop and work with clients now is how they interact and make sure that people are actually doing both of those things at the same time. Yeah, and I, and I think just to, just to broaden it out slightly from physical and digital, I think, I think we've got to look at the, the person themselves to start with. The person themselves is the, is the origin of all of this. So let's just take a, um, a, bit, a little bit of behavioural economics or nudge psychology. A, a person wants to achieve something when they go into a transaction, when they go to an event. Um, all we're trying to do with digital physical is to make that transaction happen as seamlessly, as easy, as frictionless as possible. So that the person doesn't even realise they're almost transacting or recording an event or sharing and amplifying a a photo from a particular location it's just that things have been set up so sweetly that it happens almost instantaneously and that because that may be because the physical environment is crafted in a certain way to encourage that it may be because the digital touch points are crafted in a certain way to make that happen as well so those two things have to come together but very much it's around the consumer so one of the big areas we work in James at the moment is the is the psychology of the consumer Let's understand the rationale. And um, there's some great work by Daniel Kahneman, um, which is called Think Slow and Fast. And Daniel Kahneman's piece is, is the first time we'd explored that many, many things happen subconsciously. We go into an event space and we're processing so much stuff mm. at that particular point in time. And our front brain, our rational brain, at some point says, oh yeah, I want a hot dog from that particular store way way back in the sequence from many seconds before you you're in there or many minutes before you're in there your back brain already decided you need a hot dog mate you <laughs> need something to eat and it's only your front brain that then rationalize it and say it looks good value it's all those sort of things i i should have a hot dog shouldn't i that's the right food at this particular event but it's uh it, it's a coming together of those two components then when the physical or the digital bit gets inserted it just carries that journey on so it becomes this sort of silver stream, this silver ribbon of, of stuff that just happens so easily and slip and slippery. So non-conscious interaction. Yes. Where somebody's just sort of slipped into it unknowingly. Yeah. But yeah. has been led there purposefully. The, it, it, devious. I know it sounds devious because you, are, you are leading someone there purposefully. But again, if it's for all the right motives. So... I'll give you an example. I was working with a client this morning for a, a, a small show, um, which is a, a retail design show, which is coming up at the end of uh, this month. Um, that, that particular client was talking about, should we use music in this particular case? And, and music is just one of those senses. It's an audio sense. 
it's a back brain thing again. So, uh, you know, music on hold. If we've got fast music on hold, you are very much more likely to get anxious and complain at the moment the phone gets picked up. Mm-hmm. If you've got Beethoven, you might not like Beethoven. You might think Beethoven's a stinker. But just because it's mellow and slower, it sets your mood completely different and you are far less likely to complain when the phone's answered. And there's lots of stats and data around that sort of stuff. So talking to this particular client, we decided that some English sort of country sounds, not music, but sounds, uh, would be the right sort of thing. Reference from an app called Noisly, which is a nice sort of calming go-to-bed type app where they have mm-hmm. leaves blowing and waves on the shore and all that sort of stuff. So triggering that back brain stuff by using a digital application, in that case, speakers and you know media players and all that sort of stuff, on this particular stand in a crafted location is going to make that a far more compelling experience. And that is the buzzword, not fidgetal. It's about experience design. We want to craft experiences where all of these hemispheres come together to create this wonderful experience where someone walk out of it and, um, and go, wow, that just worked. Don't know why it worked. And of course they don't. Their back brain was processing it all. Their front brain just rationalizes then and goes, it just worked and I just... I want to find sense in why it worked, but it did. Is there any stubbornness among the bigger brands now, um, either to adopt some of this thinking? Is it, it, it is is a lot of this led by um, companies like yourself put, putting forward this information to them and, and putting forward uh, and consulting with them to develop these events and you putting the ideas forward? How many of them get this even before they've engaged you? Okay, interesting question, James, because I think we are on a process um, at the moment, and we're, so we're on a journey, and we're very much at the forefront of that journey, and that journey is, is driven by CEOs, COOs, CMOs, sitting in brands, in organisations, in event organisers or, uh, or agencies at the moment, and they're saying, digital transformation's going on, I, I think I'm part of it, um, and this digital transformation is scaring a lot of people, because it's moving so fast, even though it's transforming and they think they've got a grip on one element, it's changing completely. So digital is so ubiquitous, it's so everywhere, and it's moving so fast, people are struggling to get a grasp on on digital transformation. But rest assured, every boardroom in the country, every boardroom across Europe, or uh, Western world certainly, but uh, uh, advanced um, nations, their CEOs, CMOs, CTOs are talking about digital transformation. They're not really sure how to grasp it. And so um, those that do come forward to companies like Swarm, and they, they, we, we chat to many, many companies about this particular prospect, we have to take them, first of all, to, uh, to take an inward look um, about you know, what are the challenges in your organization, who are your people, who are your customers, who are the people who are working for your organization. Again, let's focus on people first, and then we can start to look at the, the technology that they might need, which is just a raft, really, to float content on. So mm. I'm being a bit philosophical there about rough to float the content, but those two bits come together very, very, very carefully. And when they're crafted together, that's when you get that psychological part, the behavioral economics and the nudge to enable people to move a little bit further down that journey. Is it important that people now abandon the lines and, and, and the sort of the vertical strands of marketing and interaction that, that they used to look at so they say right there's my print there's my digital there's my email there's my is it is it really important now that any event whether it's brand activation whether it's an experiential event whether it's you know sporting event 
really abandon those sort of lines and divides between everything and start accepting that everything really is just one entity? I think um, abandon might be a bit strong because the, you know <coughs> a CEO doesn't want to necessarily abandon something that works particularly well at the moment. But I think re-examine, if we rephrase that, is the right sort of question. So I'll give you an example of an event. So it's yeah. an experiential event. Um, and the whole theme, it was an above the line theme with uh, a lot of um, collateral, uh, a lot of video and stuff that had already been produced for this event. And it was a revolution. So um, I'll take the welcome sequence into this. So people walk into the building and from a client perspective, what happens is do, do they get checked in, Tim? So some swarm guys check them in. Well, yeah, they do. And then they get the lanyard. Yeah, they do. And what happens then? They get a cup of tea or coffee and a you know, biscuit and a, you know, hot milky drink or a fizzy pop or whatever. So that's, that's, that's what the client expectation was. Boy, this was a revolution. Does that sound like a revolution so far? It's so passive and so. So what happened is people come out their five-star luxury from the hotel they've been flowed to. They walk into the event and the first thing they get from my team, a big fist pump and a shoulder smash and a welcome to the revolution, bro. And then they get a thick pen or a spray can put in their hand and sign up to the revolution. Let's get your detail. Let's get you in, man. And let's move you along. Well, you know, and then you get your hot milky drink. And at that point, you're thinking, what has just happened? That my world has just been rocked. Oh, my God. And not only are you saying what has happened looking back at that last 15 seconds, and that is all it took to reframe your position on that event completely. You're so looking forward to the next couple of hours. Because if they rocked you at check-in, my God, what are they going to do when the main event arrives? Sure, yeah. And... So, how difficult is it now when when consumers and we could talk about this as delegates to an event or, or consumers just turning up to a, a you know a, a, a sporting event or a music event and there's an engagement zone how difficult is it to make a brand stand out when people are bombarded with so much media constantly and not necessarily from brands but from everything you know just getting disengaged by thinking oh my phone's just buzzed i'll check yeah. my emails and suddenly they're disengaged from the event. How, how much more difficult has it become? And, and do they need to be going, not necessarily that extra mile, but doing things that are really, not just outside of the box, but miles outside of the box in order to, to make mm. sure they're capturing the imagination? Okay, I think, I think the, the, um, the challenge is, is again a little bit about the silos and it's about squeezing those together at a certain touch point. So that revolution I just referenced, Print was involved because you had to sign up or spray your name on something. Mm -hmm. Set builder involved because you had to build, you know, your wall for them to sign up on. Uh, crewing were involved because you had to have the people who were trained dressed the right way to give out the kit. Underneath that, you've got an absolutely detailed system which you would have normally anyway, but that is hidden. You forget the detailed system. It's the little bit of gloss, the dial-up that you put on top. And the way we tend to think about it is, uh, and it's a word that, that Google are using quite a lot at the moment, are moments. So on a journey through an event, you've got a number of moments. Mm -hmm. And those moments are touch points. It could be when I log onto the wireless in that particular zone. How do I dial up or dial down at that particular moment what the brand wants and what the consumer wants? If I do what the brand wants and I hit you with splash pages and hit road you onto the brand's website, the consumer gets a bit icky about that because mm. it's a bit too much in the brand. The consumer just wants to get on the web but they'll take a sacrifice of seeing a little bit of brand presence to get the free Wi-Fi. So I think it's about dialing those elements up, understanding the brand transaction that's needed, understanding the consumer transaction that's needed, and putting those two together, then deciding whether you're gonna dial it up max or whether you're gonna tone it down. 
So you wander through this zigzag journey of touch points and you look at some of those magic moments that are on those touch points. You know, the first song for a band when they walk out on stage. Mm -hmm. yeah. It's really, really important. Do you know what, from a psychology perspective, the middle bit, people don't really remember too much. Do you know they remember the end? And that's why encores are there. Yeah. Encore is the biggest thing. You know, there's a, I think um, there's a, uh, I can't remember his first name, Wardoff from a New York sort of guy who said, it doesn't matter what happens at my party, it says guests are driving down the drive and leaving what they're saying that counts. Absolutely, so, yeah. That's why the encore's there. That's why they chose that magic moment. So there's two magic moments in that set. Yeah. yeah. And how are we going to get those dialed up in the right way, in the right format to work? So. And, and, and do we think, using the music as an example, obviously that, that's something where there's, there's going to be a lot of noise, there's going to be visual. Um, and as you said, the first song that they hear will stick in their memory. Mm -hmm. The last song they hear, they'll stick in their memory. Whatever was on the screens at those particular points will lodge in their memory and that's what yeah. they'll take away from them um, have we forgotten or are we learning how to do that in other events as well where we may not think oh there's necessarily a big opening and a big close um, it is important that we can maybe translate something like the music event opening and close and put it into other events to create those same elements absolutely you know I, I James the number of conversations that I have about um, the departure which is never a point on agenda it's never, it's never something that's heavily discussed. It's not something that's a, a takeout that's thought about. But from a client perspective, we give them a goodie bag, don't we? No, 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 no. This is your closing moment. The words that you sugar around that goodie bag presentation, that script, let's talk about film director's you know, sharp, razor sharp incision here mm -hmm. to script those words so perfectly that as that person leaves, my God, they zing around in their head for a long, long time and may live on their heads forever after that. That is a real moment, that's an opportunity. You could just give them a goodie bag and say, thanks very much, hope you enjoyed the event. Safe journey home. Yeah, exactly, all that sort of pand you know, patter that is just you know, soft and you know, middle belly really. And instead, let's give them something razor sharp, let's give them something to remember. And sure enough, they do remember the last thing. Same as the pop concert, they've just, they've just had the headline, Beyonce's just been on, she's just sang. At that point in time is actually a moment for reflection because the earworms are playing, the songs are still going around in your head. There's a part in that journey which says, actually, we need to dial it down now. Mm. We don't need to go, and then they don't need to go to a club. They don't need, actually, there's a space in between where if you want to really get the most of that artist, it is space. And I think that's one of the other things that don't get built into events. Space is, is a real premium. Time is a real premium. So you have to build those dial-ups and dial-downs really critically into that event because if we don't people don't have space to take in the information that they've just received they don't have that opportunity to reflect they don't have opportunity to own that information and when people own the information there's far more chance of amplification that is your social media moment that is the Justin Beyonce killed absolute killer on stage da, 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 da. Yep. that's the moment I might have shared a photo along with you know, 10,000 other people at that point in time, which could all be, could be in focus or can't be. But it's those words of reflection that people read and therefore your pals will be thinking, I wanna to go to the next Beyonce concert. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and I mentioned about how difficult it may be to, to keep people's attention and yep. keep it focused in, in certain ways. Um, you mentioned about scripting you know, mm -hmm. really refining the words yeah. at the end of an event, where if you are closing to an audience and, and sending them on their way. Um, 
is it easy for event organisers that you've worked with um, to get distracted by the bigger elements and actually take their eye away from the tiny little devils of detail that would make a difference? Things like a small sentence that's going to close it or the wording that may appear on their app as they're departing a particular venue, um, the tweet that gets sent out once the event has finished. How is it important for them to really look at those and think, hold on a second, let's just spend that little bit more time Mm. focusing on what we're going to write, what picture we're going to put in there. I completely agree with you, James, that the devil is in the detail. So, you know, I think that question is is, is asking, are, are, you know, what are those small fillers that we just take for granted? And, and again, take the film director. You know, Ridley Scott would never have a filler in his movie that's moving from one scene to the other. Again, it would have some razor-sharp script or some fantastic action. But in between those action sequences and you've got those fillers, they're still razor sharp, they're still continuing the story. And so you arrive at an event and you go to sit in your seating block and someone shows to your seat, that person who shows you to the seat probably had a briefing in the morning, they got given their t-shirt, and could you show people to the seats, the numbering works like this. It's functionally driven. It's not thought about from an event or a brand perspective. How could we get some of those brand words inserted that subliminally tell that people about our brand by asking them to go to their seat? you've got an opportunity, you have a platform to deliver something there. And I believe the way that we craft these events at Swarm is that every single touch point is examined. We then decide whether we're dialing up or down because you can't have full on dialed up all the way. You know, if the if the EQ is on max all the way through. Well, it comes back to creating these moments, haven't you? You've got to have light and shade. You've yes. got to have loud and quiet, you know. And, and, and so without those gaps, mm -hmm then it won't highlight those moments as effectively, will it? No, and lovely word light and shade, I think, James, to, to, to portray that, because that is, that is exactly what we need. Um, so I think from an event organiser's perspective, my biggest advice would be to take apart the event from start to finish. If you've got someone for 90 minutes, what are they doing for all that 90 minutes? Not what are they doing for the 45 minute show and the five minutes you got them off the bus, and the five minutes you get back on the bus and the, you know, that sort of stuff. Let's look at all the glue in between and let's look at every one of those as opportunities. And fair enough, we can dismiss it as an opportunity. That's, that's fine to do, but it's been considered an opportunity. And it is something that we just think we're not going to dial up or dial down. It's just going to, it is a functional part. So, yeah. It's, it's becoming, it seems to me that it's becoming increasingly difficult, isn't it? it, it it's becoming a more arduous process to make sure that, because there's so much money um, in big brands particularly, yeah. but in any, any sort of event, any brand or organisation that goes to the effort to organise an event of some description mm -hmm. to help engage with their brand, it's becoming a, a more arduous task, isn't it, to, to make sure you're doing it right? It, it is, but we've got more tools than ever now. So it only is because there's lots of noise. So back to digital transformation and we're back at um, an event organiser and they know there's lots of tech out there. But what they tend to do, I'm, I'm being they, I'm, I'm slightly broad brush here. Mm. So, you know, there are you know, many, many fantastic people who are working doing these sort of things on, on their own as well without Swarm involved. But the, um, uh, I think the, um, the examination of the, the tools is, is a critical bit. The understanding of the tools is a critical bit. And what tends to happen, instead of that examination, that understanding of the tools, is people will say, well, we should have iPads there, shouldn't we? You know, so they, they jump to a can of beans because they think they want a can of beans because they're more comfortable if they can describe a can of beans. Instead of saying, we need a solution for people to enter data and we need to give them data back in some way. Let's really make that big 
first of all, that touch point. If it ends up being an iPad, great, but it probably won't because we've got to get something released through the App Store. That takes three weeks. Clients don't necessarily know that. Mm -hmm. It can't be branded by Apple, don't like that, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So you've got all sorts of issues, but the client thinks they want an iPad at that particular point. Sure. My job is to expand that sphere out again and go, no, we don't. We want a transaction between your brand and them where information swaps over. Is an iPad best? Should it be a gesture wall? Is this a huge um, space that we project on the walls and turns into the North Pole and becomes frosty cold and we blow cold air? You know, how do we really bring that thing to life so it becomes a memorable moment? No, we don't. We just want a simple transaction. Well, it is a touch screen there. So of course, it all comes back to though, if you eliminate all the technology and all the stuff that we now have accessible to, or that we can access, mm-hmm. it comes back to knowing your audience, doesn't it? Because just because the stuff is there doesn't necessarily mean that it's right for your particular audience, depending on what the event is and who's coming to it. It yep. may be that a piece of chalk and a blackboard is a way that's going to tap into the, the memory of your particular yeah. customers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, working with, I was working with a merchant bank, um, uh, ING, who are US-owned Dutch bank. Everything is very orange. Um, so from a creative point of view, you know what the look and feel is going to be like. I was lucky enough to have the uh, CEO and chairman and all the board present for a rebranding event. So this was trying to get the board engaged in a new vision and new values for their event. So we hired a, a, an old bank, which was being used as a gallery at the time with a lovely vault downstairs. And in the vault was a real sweet spot. We actually got big fat marker pens, we got the CEO, we got the board people to commit words of vision and values right from the front of their head, right at that point in time. No preconceived, and it was a fat pen marker on a wall and things like that. And then as the lower ranks came through this organisation, they could see what their, their peers, their leaders had already written, and that influenced them to think of different ideas. So from an idea collection and curation point of view, it was just a fat pen on a wall. There was no technology involved. But what it was about is the environment, you're in a bank vault, so it's subliminally saying that we're a bank, this is about a bank. We're in the vault, the most precious part. So actually it was telling everyone this is the sweetest spot in this particular event. So, so as, as much as it's important to be able to impart knowledge and, and, and come with new ideas, other examples where you've worked with clients and actually said, hold on a second, we just need to pull back a bit here. I think you're getting a bit too carried away with everything that's available. Let's look at what we're actually trying to achieve here. Yep. And I think it can actually be simpler rather than more complicated. Yeah. Well, I, I, I designed an event two years ago, um, uh, and, and I can't talk about the brand, but it's, uh, it, was, uh, it was for a pharma client, and the pharma client had a new cardiac drug. Um, and they wanted to um, shock people a little bit because this, this is a drug that was administered just before people are having a coronary or about to have a coronary so they get their first symptoms. So it's one to sort of carry with them. It's almost like that emergency first aid pack at that mm. point in time. And uh, the dialing back bit came from uh, a will to put lots of technology in the, in the way. And the, the actual sweet spot, the real winner in the event was actually get to get people to lie down in their business suits take their shoes and socks off and just lie on a couch and just watch a screen on their backs. And why do that? Because it takes them out of their comfort zone. I'm in my business suit, I feel a bit strange lying down, I feel all, and that was the idea because before you have a heart attack, you feel a bit strange and a bit funny. So we wanted to create that for a split second that they felt strange and funny. And the best way we found to do that was to actually make them slightly uncomfortable with their normal sort of streetwear they got on or their normal business wear actually in this particular case. So you're right, it's not about collecting all the elements together to make this as technically fantastic as possible. 
it is about mixing the physical and the digital things together. So that physical element of that particular thing, and there was a projection over their face mm. and, uh, and all that sort of stuff. So there's a lot of technology happening around them. But the sweet spot, the actual nub of it, the reason it worked was because it was framed in a particular way to get these people to lie down with their shoes and socks off in their business suits. And it brings us back to the psychological element, doesn't it? Of understanding mm. the, the, the psychology and how people are going to think and what's going to make them interact or really get whatever message is trying to be conveyed to them. Yeah, yeah. We, you know, we, um, we have a number of psychological drivers which are, we're constantly scanning our environments and, and they think that the, the, the big leaders are things like survival, sex, death, procreation, feed, you know, that those things are still really, really uh, prominent in our psyche. You know, it's only 10,000 years we've been civilized. So we use some of those in our events. So we were propositioned by a client last year to uh, try to sell cars during an event. Now, how long does it normally take to sell a car? By the time you've investigated you want a car, then you look at the brands, you compare them, you decide a brand that you want, and you look at the different models, then you get your extras, then you've got the color, and then you know you are months and months, if not years sometimes in this particular process. Absolutely. By using a couple of really, really sens sensible psychological processes, and one of those is scarcity. If we made those cars to be so scarce, that it is like, you know, rocking horse doodah to be able to get one of those cars. My God, I must have one. And again, know your people. If it's the right aspirational market who want that particular car, then you put those together. You make it look scarce. You make it look fantastic. And we sold 500 cars in 29 seconds, which is an unbelievable figure. So that was done digitally. It was done online on a second screen at that point in time. But we used two or three psychological traits within that. So it really does work. Another one that works really well is taking money out of the equation. So a lot of events now are starting to look at you know, Apple Pay or different systems to do that. Absolutely applaud that. And there's some great studies where you know, money is this funny thing. We're all funny about money. And, and some, some of the studies um, which I can recite, um, it's a, a student dorm, stu kitchens in the student dorm, fridges in the kitchen. Um, and the, uh, the experiment was to put in some Coke cans and to put in a saucer with money on, with cash, notes and, notes and coins. Now, they went back two weeks later and what had happened to the coke? It had all gone. What happened to the money? It's all still there. We're really, really funny about money. So I've crafted an event for um, a film distributor, Paramount, who mm -hmm. one of the biggest film distributors in the world, where we've sold DVDs and Blu-rays. We've sold DVDs and Blu-rays at a particular event in two days. And we can get an average spend of 30 quid ahead and we can get 30% of people buying things when they walk through that event by partly taking money out of the equation and adding in a human part, and the human part in that particular event was storytelling. So you've got a mix of physical and digital again, the app takes the money out of the way, there was no stock at that particular event, no DVD stock, it was all fulfilled by Amazon. Mm -hmm. Amazon won awards for it, for retail innovation. Um, and so that sweet physical, digital and psychology, yeah, they do really work together and they can be really compelling when they do. Um, are you on Twitter? How can people get in touch with you if they want to ask any questions, having listened to this? Okay, uh, personally at Tim Manning. I was an early adopter of Twitter, so I got my name. And uh, at SwarmUKcom. Fantastic. We'll be tweeting some, some links out as well from the at Talking Events uh, Twitter handle. Um, for now, we're going to wrap up today's episode. Um, great insight there um, from Tim Manning from Swarm. If you would uh, like to subscribe to the podcast, you can do so via iTunes. The podcast can also be viewed via the Event Industry News website. You can also subscribe to the Event Industry News YouTube channel. For now, we shall wrap up this episode of Talking Events. Mm -hmm.